If you would take your Bible and, and turn with me to, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I just want to share with you what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he kind of wants to remind them of this truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've got a Bible, just open it and stay open because, honestly, I'm going to walk through this entire chapter in the next few moments. And if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. But he begins with this. Friends, let me go over the message with you one final time. This message that I proclaimed and that you uh, that made known to you, this message on which you took your stand, on which your life has been saved, I'm assuming that by now your belief is a real thing and not a passing fancy. And that you're in this thing for good, holding fast. The first thing I did was place before you what was so emphatically placed before me. That the Messiah, Jesus Christ, died for our sins, exactly as the scripture says. And that he was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, again, exactly as scripture says. Paul says, here's the the bottom line. This is the gospel truth, is that Jesus Christ, he came, he saw, and he conquered. He lives. He's reminding this church one more time that the gospel message, Jesus Christ came. He left the glories of heaven. He walked on this earth just as you and I. He was tempted and tried just as you and I are in every manner that you and I are. Yes, that way and that way and yes, that way. Because sometimes we think that well, Jesus was impervious to temptation. No, the Bible says he was tempted. There, there, there's, there, there, there's recorded scripture of the temptation of Jesus Christ. Yet he did it without sin. Yet he was able to, to, to push away from temptation, to push away from that was able to shut the enemy down and live a sinless life, and then was, was crucified on the cross for our sins. He saw it all. He took it all to Calvary's cross. And, then, and the Bible says that he lay in the tomb three days, and he rose again on the third day, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's the good news, is that Jesus Christ lives. That's what Easter's all about, is that Jesus lives. And some of you may be saying, well, what's the big deal, man? What's the big deal about Easter and about the resurrection? I mean, is there more to it than just like Cadbury eggs, although I love those? Can I get a witness in the house? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good, I'm telling you. That will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know what I'm talking about? Is there more to it than Easter baskets, peeps? Mm. I'm telling you, oh, I feel that right there. The only thing I haven't been able to find lately are those, those candied eggs that I had when I was a kid. And they're not marshmallows, but they're like candy, like nougat on the inside. And they're like all different colors. If you know where they are, let me know. I'm in looking. <laughs> Serious. This week, I had this fix. It was on Thursday. I told the staff, I t- told my assistant, Courtney, I said, I am craving chocolate marshmallow eggs. You ever have those cravings? No, you're lying. I know you are. And you're in church. And, and I said, I'm going. And I asked anybody in the office, do you want anything? Do you want anything? Do you want anything? And nobody, except for Karen, uh, Kevin Gineer, my, my gut brother. You know what I'm talking about? My mother from another mother. He goes, oh, I love those. So about 700 calories into those things within five minutes. I said, Gineer, you want what I have left? And um, he, he took them. And so is there more to Easter than that? Is there more to Easter than than the Easter bunny? Is there more to Easter than brunch? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, 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 there, there, there's a whole lot more. It's more than, than, than a holiday. It's, it's more than getting dressed up. It's more than, than thank God for Cadbury eggs, but for, than Cadbury eggs. It's a thing called the resurrection. It's what this whole thing hinges upon. I thank God that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. I thank, I thank Jesus that he walked and lived a sinless life. I thank him that he died on the cross. But if he would have just ended it there, if he'd have never rose again, folks, we wouldn't have a story to sing. We wouldn't have a song to sing. We wouldn't have a story to tell. But the Bible says it doesn't end there. Read on with me in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. It says, now let me ask you something. Profound yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted in the proclamation that Jesus Christ is alive, risen from the dead, how can you let people say there is no such thing as resurrection? If there is no resurrection... There's no living Christ, then face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we have told you is smoke and mirrors. Everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would all be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God, and all these affidavits that we passed on to you verifying that God raised Christ would be sheer fabrication. If there's no resurrection, if corpses cannot be raised, then Christ was not. Because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all, the, all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and the resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ, listen to this, is a little inspiration for a few short years, we are a pretty sorry lot. He says this, without, re- without Easter resurrection, you and I are dead. Without the resurrection power of Easter, of that Sunday morning, we're dead. Without Easter resurrection, our faith is useless. This thing that we proclaim every weekend, this, 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 this invitation to a life in Jesus Christ that I give every weekend, uh, every person that, that publicly professes Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior, it's useless. If, if he doesn't raise from the, gra- the dead, we're all liars. Every preacher in this room is a liar. Everybody who's ever preached the gospel of Jesus Christ is a liar. Mother Teresa was a liar. Uh, uh, Billy Graham's a liar. I'm a liar. We're all liars if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead. We are dead in our sins if he's not resurrected. What does that mean? That means that we and I, you and I are just living a dream. That Christianity is just a crutch for weak-minded people. If Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead, there is no eternal life. And if there is no eternal life, you'll never see your loved ones again. That's what Paul's saying. And I love this. He doesn't stop. He uses a three-letter word I love in Scripture, but. I know that doesn't seem profound to you, but, but, but all throughout Scripture, we see it just laid out. Man, it's just all the cards are stacked against the people of God. But you're dead in your sins, dying, going to hell. You can feel the flames now, can't you? It's hot in this room, isn't it? But, and he stops, he says, but he lives. That changes it all. Folks, that's the game changer. The momentum shifts in that moment. The game is won in that moment. Look what he says in verse 20. But the truth that Christ has been raised up, the first and a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries, there is a nice symmetry in this. Death literally came in by man, and resurrection by death came out by man. Every man dies in Adam, but every man comes alive in Christ. But we have to wait our turn. Christ is first, and then those who are with him at his coming. 
The good news is, is that because Jesus Christ did live a sinless life, was born of a virgin, the son of the ever-living God, died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again. The fact that he lives, you and I have life. Because he lives, our faith is not useless. Because he lives, we're not liars. Because he lives, your loved ones who have gone on before you, who are Christ followers, you will see them again on the other side. There will be a day of rejoicing and reuniting on the other side. That's not some fairy tale in the sweet by and by, but it is going to happen because he lives because he was raised from the dead. So how does this affect me? How does this affect you? Let's read on verse 35. He says this, some skeptics are sure to say, show me how the resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does this resurrection quote unquote body look like? And if you look at this question closely, you realize how absurd it is. There are no diagrams for this kind of thing. We don't have a parallel experience, but, but we do have a parallel experience in gardening. You plant a dead seed, and soon there's a flourishing plant. There's no visual likeness between the seed and the plant. Think about that. You can never guess what a tomato would look like by looking at the tomato seed, but we plant the seed in the soil, and when it grows out, it does not look uh, out. It doesn't look anything alike. For the dead body that was buried in the ground and the resurrection body that comes up will dramatically be different. Skip on down to verse 42. For this image of planting a dead seed and raising a live plant is a mere sketch at best. But perhaps it will help us approach the, the, the mystery of the resurrection of body. But if only you keep in mind that when we are raised, we're raised for good, alive forever. The corpse that is planted is no beauty, but when it's raised, it's glorious. That, you know what that means? There's hope for some of you. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you, the best you got is you can smile. You better do it right now. But there's hope for you. It's going to get better. Mm, can I get a witness in the house? It's put in the ground weak. Mm, but it comes up powerful. The seed is sown natural, but the seed is grown supernatural. The same seed, the same body, but what a difference from when the time it goes down in more physical mortality to when it's raised up in spiritual immorality. Immortality, excuse me. What a difference it makes. Folks, let me explain it to you like this. Here's the big, crazy, hairy deal about the resurrection of the body. If Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again, the, the, the first thing you have to understand is that the body is essential for human existence. You and I do not exist apart on this side of eternity without apart from our body. And if Jesus Christ saves man... He saves all of man. And, when, and we're going to read this in just a minute. But when this physical body dies, like a seed that's died and, that dies and goes into the ground, when the trumpet of the Lord sounds and time is no more, and the dead in Christ, the, those who are dead in Christ rise first, which means the body, the graves will actually give up the physical bodies. And the, and, and the mortal will take on immortality. In that moment, God is saying one last time to Satan, I did this 2,000 years ago, and I'll do it again, because I am the, the King of kings and the Lord of the lords. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last, that which was and is to come and forevermore shall be. And, oh, yes, yeah, Satan, the angels that you hear crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, God Almighty, I'm him, because I have the power over death hell and the grave. And these bodies, these physical bodies that you thought you had claimed, that you thought that you had held, they're mine. They're owed to me. Although their spirit is with me now, I'm going to reunite the two together because I don't just save man in a 
spiritual form, but I will save man one day in a physical form, the same way I did on Calvary's cross where I paid the price, and the two shall become together, and then I will give them a new body. Their, 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 their mortality will take on immortality, and they will rule and reign and live with me forever. That's what that means. That's the power of that. It's more than just some cool idea. The reason why the body's resurrected is because the body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says that you and I, brothers and sisters, are temples of the Holy Spirit. That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So don't defile it. Don't live impure. Don't live the way people that are without God live. You live different. You are a peculiar or a different or unique or set apart people. And so live that way and operate that way because one day this physical body, although I know it's flawed, I know it's failed, I, 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 I know the feet of clay that we all stand upon, but one day this, 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 this temple of God is going to be united with spirit and, and it's going to be made new. The reason why Jesus Christ will resurrect our physical bodies is that to undo the result of all sin at all levels, humanity's final enemy is always death. And that enemy has been conquered, and Jesus Christ will once and for all conquer it for all. For all. That's a powerful thought to think that the reason why the resurrected body, when Jesus Christ was raised from the grave, he made a statement, I am the first, but I will not be the last. That's what Paul says. I have gone to the bellies of, the, of, the, of this earth and taken the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and I have, re, I have emerged the victor. And those that, are beyond, that will come behind me are those that have a personal relationship with me. And just as I was raised from the dead, so will their physical bodies be raised. Because it will be a testimony to Satan and to a lost and dying world that God is not mocked, that God will do exactly what he says he will do, and that he will raise our physical bodies and we'll be resurrected just like Jesus Christ. These aren't my words. Don't go, well, that's a little crazy. It says it right here. I didn't write the book, right? My name's not Paul. My name's Aaron. Nice to meet you. I'm just telling you what it says. But that's exactly what will happen. Verse 51 says this, but let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery. I probably will never fully understand, Paul says. We're not all going to die. But we are all going to be changed. You will hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet. And in the time that it takes you to look up and blink your eyes, it will be over. On the signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves beyond the reach of death. Think about that. Death will try to reach one more time, but won't be fast enough. Right? In the words of MC Hammer, can't touch it. You know what I'm talking about? Can you, right? You know what I'm saying? And at the same moment, in the same way, we, he's speaking to those that are alive, will all be changed. And in the resurrection, the scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable will take off the, the, the shelves and be replaced with imperishable. This mortal will be placed with, 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 with immortal. And then we will be saying, what, what then the saying will come true. Death will be swallowed up by triumphant life. Who got the last word on death? Oh, death, who's afraid of you now? It is sin that has made death so frightening and the law code guilt that gave sin its leverage and its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin and guilt and death, are gone. And thank the God of our master Jesus Christ, thank God, because he 
lives, I live. Because he lives, you live. Because he lives, we celebrate that this weekend. That's the story. That's the big deal. That's why we're all here. It's not about Easter baskets and Cadbury eggs and chocolate bunnies, hallelujah, and brunches tomorrow. It's about the fact that we serve a Savior who has risen from the dead, who has lived this life, who who looked death right in the face and emerged victoriously and says that you and I can have that same life here and now and in the sweet by and by, that you and I can have life and life to the fullest. Why? Because he did it. He came. He saw. He conquered. He overcame it all. He paid the price for it all. All you and I have to do is walk in the way that he walks and live in the way that he lives. And you may be saying today, how can I have this life? I'm so glad you asked that. First, we're all sinners. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says that for all have sinned, And falling short of the glory of God. You have to come to the place. I had to come to the place. You have to come to the place where you realize that you're not all that. That you don't have all the answers. That you don't have it all figured out. That you can't make it all happen. That you're you're, you're not everything in all. You're not the beginning and the end. You didn't create that company. You didn't make that happen. You're not as good looking as you think you are. Come on. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Right? Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. I'm just saying in that moment, you have to make that statement. I'm a sinner. I know that's hard in the world that we live in because we like to play games. But I'm just going to tell you, you want to sit with your pious, self-righteous self and cross your arms, you can walk out that door the same way you walked in, unchanged. But every single man and woman are going to stand before a holy God. On this side of eternity, on that side of eternity. Because the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody's going to say, I am a sinner. Why? Because that's what we are, folks. None of us are any better than anybody else. I'm not any better than you are. I'm not your judge. Don't look at me like, well, I think you're speaking down to me. No, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. It's that simple. The Bible goes on to say that my sin equals death. That my sin equals death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. My sin, your sin equals death. That's where it takes me. Oh, it's fun for a season. Yeah, you can mix it up, club it up, hop it up, make it happen. But then there comes a day where you've got to pay the bill. And what's, what's the bill? The bill's death. The paycheck is death. But Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That Jesus Christ is the answer. That although I may be a sinner, although I may be dead in my sins, there is an answer. His name is Jesus. And if I call on the name of Jesus, I will be saved. I love this, Romans 10, 9 and 10. For if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there goes that resurrection power again, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. So that's what I want to end with tonight. It's what I want to end with today. I just want to take a moment and just want to ask you a simple question. Whether you are here, whether you're at the West Campus, whether you're watching online, I want to ask you one simple question. Where's your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? 
Where are you? Do you have that resurrection power of Jesus Christ living inside of you? Because you can. We just read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can live that way. You can operate that way. You can allow this power that we celebrate at Easter to be inside of you. But you've got to recognize that you're a sinner. You've got to recognize where your sin is taking you. And you've got to be willing to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Then you will be saved. That's it. It's not by joining the church. It's not by liking the pastor. It's not by going to church every Sunday. Those things are all good, especially liking the pastor, Bart. But it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to go to church. I'm not asking you were you baptized or christened as a baby. I'm not asking you what faith or religion your grandparents were. I'm not asking you what, what affiliation your family comes from. I'm not asking you are you, are you non-denom or e-free or evangelical or Lutheran or Catholic. I didn't ask that. It, those words are nowhere in Scripture. It says that when I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that I'm saved. And that resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead begins to dwell in me. And that spirit of the living God lives in me. And he gives me power to overcome sin. He gives me power to live the life that I want to live. He gives me power to lay down my junk and to lay down my burdens and to lay down everything that cripples me. And he allows me to take upon this new life and to live this life to the full. And if that's what you want tonight and you're tired of your running, you're tired of spinning wheels and making deals and trading your days for dollars, and you say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, then I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life. I love how John, the revelator who writes the book of Revelation, says it in, John, in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus says, I stand at the door of every man's heart and I knock. And if he'll open the door and invite me to come in, I will come in and meet with him. That's why God loved you and loved me enough to give his only son, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus lived the sinless life. That's why Jesus died on Calvary's cross. That's why he rose again. That's why we're here this weekend, is to proclaim that truth until he comes and to tell you of something that's happened in us. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me, everybody in this room? Everyone, please. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And here's what I'm going to ask right now, very simply, with no one moving around. Are you here today and you'd say, man, Aaron, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart and come into my life. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. And I want that resurrection, overcoming power that we just read about tonight. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand and just ask me, thanks, 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 thanks. All over this room, just up and back down, thanks, thanks. That's it, just up and back down, thanks, 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 thanks. Thank you. Man, I'm just tired. I feel like there's somebody else in this room, man. You just, you're running. Your heart right now is pounding about to beat out of your chest. That's the power of God chasing you. 
and you just say, man, I, all I'm, I'm just going to give you one more moment to say, that's me, Aaron. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Thanks. Somebody else? Anybody else? Thanks. Just up and back down. That's fine. Thanks. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to do exactly what the Bible says. This isn't my idea. It's, it's, it's the Bible. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Praying this prayer won't save you, but if you believe what you're about to pray, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, you will be saved. And I'm gonna ask those of you who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to lend your voice with those who are doing this for the very first time. And let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I am a sinner. And I know that you, Jesus, are the only true Savior of my soul. Forgive me my sins and wash them away. And give me the new life, the resurrection power to live this life today and to live forever in eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for the people who made that decision?